0: Asking these questions. So, we know as a lead team that there are many uh, emotions swirling around our church right now. People are grieving and experiencing loss for many different things. Some grieve because there has been a leadership change and they really loved uh, Ben. Some, Some grieve because they have had friends leave for various reasons. And then some grieve because of a decision or decisions that have been made. Uh, that either hurt them personally or hurt somebody that they knew. Some in here, though, might be newer to Central Bible, and they don't have as much history with Central Bible. Maybe you've only been here for a few weeks or a few months, and you've kind of got that wait-and-see emotion. Where are we going? What are we doing? Do I want to be a part of this? Others in here might be experiencing emotions of loss, frustration, anger, grief, uh, you name it. There's all sorts of confusion, hesitancy. And we know that in a church of about 250 people, there are a lot of unique emotions to individual people, but we also know that it, we collectively are kind of in the same thing together. We're in the same boat moving forward. And so we want you to know you're not alone. We want to be there the lead team, the elder team, the pastoral team, the staff team, We want to be right there with you walking side by side. And so I'm sure there are a number of very valid questions that are orbiting in all of our heads. And so some of the questions are maybe, who is going to lead us? I think that's a pretty obvious question. Maybe second is, uh, what is the plan? What are we doing moving forward? And then a third question is, how can I help or how can my family help and how can we contribute moving forward? These are all solid questions. They're really good questions, and I'm going to try to give you some clarity um, on behalf of the lead team. We want to give you some direction uh, because we know people are sitting here asking them. So as for the big question, who is going to lead us? Who is our leader? So our, our lead team is comprised of the pastoral staff and the elder team. I already said that. And so with Christ as our head this church will be led for the time being by our committed team of godly elders. Over the last month, our elder team has been meeting weekly, every Monday. It's been a lot lot of meeting, a lot of time together. And we've been discussing, planning, and praying for our church. It's been a literal quadrupling down of our efforts as we move forward. And we Uh, Although we can't keep up this pace every week meeting, it's really tiring, our families want to see us more, we are going to be meeting bi-monthly, so every other month. Instead of hiring a new pastor, something that we can't finance right now as a church, uh, we are going to be moving the direction of having an elder theme that is not only leading our church uh, in their direction, but is present with the church and with the community in very practical and focused ways. Pastor Danny, Pastor Kendra, Chris Ray, and I will continue uh, to lead the charge on the day-to-day operations of the church. We'll be in the building during the week, we'll be fielding questions, and we'll be able to pass those on. Well, some of them we can answer, some of them we can pass on to the elder body. But the overall spiritual and executive leadership will fall on the elder team, which is ridiculously committed, again, I want to say that, is ridiculously committed to loving and serving this body in every way. They are committed to being learners and listeners to wise counsel both outside of this church and inside of this church. And so then naturally, the second part of that question is, who are the elders? Who are the men that are leading our church right now? We have five elders that are currently leading our church. One is Michael McKinster, who you saw his photo up there. We also have Tad, we have Tim, we have Pastor Danny, and myself. Of those five... Tad and Tim are transitioning out of being elders at the end of 2018. Combined, they have almost three decades of continuous eldering in our church. I would love it if we could all be, over these next couple of months, overwhelmingly thankful and appreciative for what they've done these last number of years and and where they've gotten to us and where they've gotten our church um, together. During that same time, as many of you know, we are in the process of bringing on more elders because if people are going to step off, we need more people to step on. And so we have some people who we are, we are labeling as elders in process, meaning they, uh, they are going through the steps. They are not voting elders, meaning they can't cast votes on decisions, but they are present and they are active in our elder meetings. Those men are Mark Roll, Andrew Zellers, Russell Woods, Uh, and Oshawa Hawthorne. All are actively serving our church and have a desire, that's a key thing, a desire to be an elder. But this is where all of you come in. In order to have a strong elder team that is going to lead our church forward, we need you all to be active in that process. We know that there are men in our church body uh, who meet the biblical qualifications of eldering found in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And we want you to nominate them. I think in your, your bulletin this week, there was a little sheet right there. I don't know what color is it, white or blue? Gray. There we go. It's gray. And we want you to nominate them. Who are the men that you see leading, loving, teaching, and serving throughout Central Bible Church? We want They are, they are men who are characterized by the life of Jesus Christ who are free of the love of money, free of anger, or they aren't quick to be angered. They're spiritually, emotionally mature. They lead their families well. So in your bulletin, look at it. Look through those questions and take some time. What we're not looking for is you to just say, I really like this person. I'm going to write them down. They're so cool. I want to spend more time with them. But more of, think through it. Who are the men that actually, they, they, they have these characteristics of being a godly follower? They follow Christ, they, they have these traits that we see in Timothy and Titus. And so then nominate them. And then you can, you can either put it in the gray box on the side or you can hand it directly to one of the five current elders that are, that are serving. So this doesn't mean that the person that you nominate will become an elder. I just want to be really clear with that. There are a lot of people here, there are a lot of people that will be nominating, but it's going to give us a pool to draw from. We're going to consider the names that come up the most and make sure that they're not just brought together for popularity, but we're going to evaluate them, we're going to look at them, and then we're going to approach that person or those people to see if they even aspire to be an elder, because if they don't want to be an elder, we can't just force them to be an elder. They will be invited to join our long elder meetings, and if they can handle the marathon that is our Monday nights... um, they can continue on with the process. They will be expected to contribute, both in sharing words, but also in serving and being a part of, of things at Central Bible indeed. They will be given a thorough written elder evaluation that includes both a self-evaluation and evaluation from three other people. And I can, it is very thorough. You can ask Michael McKinster. He's nodding his head right now. Following those evaluations, should everything check out, and they are seen to be a team player, they will be invited to come onto the elder team. The final step is what we saw here today with Michael McKinster. Once the elder team has thoroughly vetted an elder candidate, we bring them before all of you for your response. This is your time to encourage them. You were part of the process at the beginning, and we want you to be a part at the end, to encourage them and to build them up. But we also know that on rare occasions, you might need to bring to our attention something that we missed in the process. And so I want you to all see that eldering is something that we take very seriously here and something that we want to press into more as we move forward. We're asking our elders to be leading at the highest level. And so we want to invite the church family, all of you, to be part of that process and ask that you consider this call a weighty one. So over the next couple of weeks, these nomination forms are going to be available and we want you to look at them, even take it home today, think about it, pray about it, evaluate the people that you've seen with those characterizations and then give them back to us. So that's the answer to the first question. The second question is where are we going or what are we doing? That second question is a bit more nuanced. Human nature tells us that we need to have all of the answers right now. We need to know the plan and we need to have everything figured out about that plan. But as Christians, we know that living in Jesus' life Uh, means that we don't have to have the answers right now. We know that we can wait on Jesus and trust that he is going to guide the process as we listen to him. But with that said, I also know that in your minds and your hearts that vagueness leads to uh, anxiety and confusion. So here's the plan that we believe God has provided to us in the present. It's really not that big and complex, but we wanted to give it to you. We don't know what five years looks like, but we, and we also don't know what a couple of months, or for a couple of years, looks like. Um, but we hope that we can give you some clarity for these next few months. Our theme for the next 10 weeks is going to be this waiting on God and listening to one another. Waiting on God and listening to one another. We want to acknowledge that everyone in this room has experienced a wide range of emotions. And we also want to acknowledge our deep need to listen to God and hear from Him, especially in this time. During that time, we are going to spend 10 weeks in the book of Psalms. Myself, Andrew Zellers, Danny, and Oshua, and one guest preacher will be taking a psalm and drawing out some of the emotions and the rich, powerful language that is present there. They're, they're, the psalms are chock full of emotions, uh, emotions ranging from rejoicing to grieving and mourning and everything in between. Lastly, I think the question is, how can we be involved? How can you be involved? How can your family be involved? And that's a great question, and a lot of people have been answering or asking that. So I wanted to provide three, I believe, very practical ways that as a church body we can band together as we move forward into this next season. The first one is this, pray and give. Right now, we need to be praying for our church, for, our, for each other, for our leaders, for the mission of our church. We are going to be, we're going to be holding more corporate prayer sessions. We've already been doing it, prayer, nights of prayer and worship, and we invite you to be a part of those. But we also know that prayer can happen in your homes, in your community groups, in groups of two or more, or even in your quiet times. We also need to lean into giving of our our resources. It's hard as a church leader and difficult to ask for people to give more money to the church, to give out of the, the resources that God has given them. But that's what we're asking right now. We want to thank those who are faithfully giving and are giving over and above what they're able to give. We want to challenge everyone to give and to give faithfully with what God has provided for you. And it's our promise as an elder board that we will continue to do our best to be transparent with those finances. We won't be perfect, and I can promise you right now we will make a decision that you don't like or that we have made a decision that you don't like. But my challenge and encouragement to you would be that before you go and talk to somebody else and express your dislike for that decision, come to us and ask us why we made that decision. Seek one of the elders out and just get the rationale behind us. Before, you, before you've made your own decision of why that happened. And maybe you've got really good points, and maybe you've got wisdom that we didn't know or we hadn't thought about. That's the listening part that comes in. We want to listen to each other. Second, listen, listen, listen. Over the next few months, listen to one another. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Hear where people are coming from and listen to their hearts. Actually get to know them. Let's hear one another's stories. Listen to one another because it's very likely the Spirit of God will be working through us as we wait on Him. How does this practically look? It means get in the community group. It means join our Tuesday morning Bible study and get to know the people there. It means come to the women's Bible study that meets on Wednesdays. It means means attending our monthly worship and prayer gatherings. It means inviting people into your home for a meal or going out to lunch with them after church or staying after church just to have a conversation. When we take the time to be present in our community, we can learn so much not only about one another, but about the God we serve. Three, and lastly, serve. Serve. Right now, we have so many ways that our church community can step up and serve our church. And the beautiful thing, and I really mean this, is that there are so many people who are already serving. I, can't, like I already told you, I can't tell you how many times people have asked me in the last couple of weeks, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I contribute during this time of need? That's beautiful, and let's press into that. But if you aren't serving or you think you can serve more, we have many, many needs as a church body. In children's ministry, if you think you can help with children, let's talk to Pastor Kendra. reach out to her. She can, uh, she can definitely put you to work. We have need for Sunday coffee, pre- prepping coffee, standing there and helping. Talk to Chris Ray about that. Hospitality ministry: we need a lot of help welcoming people into Jesus' life so that we can worship together. Talk to Michael McKinster about that. In other words, there are a lot of ways to serve. In a family, we all pitch in together and we contribute together. And as many of you know, the best way to get to know somebody is to serve alongside them, to roll up your sleeves and to contribute to the church and to contribute to the family, and you will get to know more about people than you could have ever asked for. So, to wrap it all up, that's the plan. The plan for the rest of 2018 is to wait on God and to listen to others. We will spend 10 weeks in, the, in Psalms, getting a different psalm every week, and then four weeks come Christmas, come December, in a series on Advent where we will continue to wait on Christ and just put our hope in Him. Does that sound good? That some clar- I hope that brings some clarification to everybody. And so now as we have, have some clarity, um, I want to start our time off in Psalms um, with our foundation of where I think we can build as a church. Let's pray first and then we'll dive into Psalm 33. Lord, we we love you. We don't always show it. We don't always feel it. But Lord, our hearts and our desire here in this room is to pour out our love for you that as we live in community with one another and as we invite people around us and the world around us into community with us, Lord, we pray that we would be a beautiful example of your love. Be with our hearts, be with our minds, free us of anxiety of our week behind us or our week ahead of us, and that we would rest and we would trust in you and what you've done for us. Amen. So I chose to start our series in Psalm 33 because I believe it centers our focus firmly on the supremacy of of God and the love of His Son, Jesus Christ. In times of deep emotions and period of anxiety, it's important to anchor our lives firmly in the life of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right, so Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. The first three verses here we see are what the author is basically a call to worship. He's inviting people to worship God, and specifically, the God of the Bible. Humans are notorious during times of deep emotion uh, to worship the familiar, the things around them that bring them comfort. And comfort can, be many, can mean many things to many people. It can mean comfort food, or what my wife likes to call committing carbicide. <laughs> Other comforts might be losing yourself in the black hole of Netflix, where you watch show after show after show after show, And then they ask you, are you still there? And you're like, oh, I am. (laughs) Or maybe it's relationships. Maybe you dive into relationships that are unproductive and damaging because the conversations that result from those relationships are only building up your own thoughts that you already know are correct. Still others, it's control. We turn to things we know we are in control of or think we can control of as we, or we seek to control the things that we aren't in control of. That's me. I like to run to this one. Most of you know that the last few weeks have been a bit intense for our church. And I have just come back from a wonderful 10-week sabbatical, and I'm super thankful for all of you um, to have given my family that blessing. And I came back, or we came back, and immediately things were pretty chaotic. Um... I found myself often in the last couple of weeks of in being in a swirling tornado of emotions, trying to figure out, you know, trying to grab a hold of things to bring them under control. And what it does in times like that is, I know I go to the thing that I can control the most, and that's uh, my backyard, and specifically my lawn. Uh, it's predictable. My lawn. It's green, and it grows. Okay. And after it grows, I mow it. And after I mow it, I edge the sides. And after I edge the sides, I blow off the grass to get off the pathway. And after that, I water it with my sprinkler system. And on the rare occasion that a weed floats over from the neighbor's yard and gets in my nice green grass, I get down on my hands and knees and I literally pick that weed with my hands and I remove it from the grass. It's my kingdom, it's my dominion. I'm in control. So it's kind of funny, but it's true. In times of uncertainty, we move to things that we know or think we know are in control of. And so we worship the things that bring comfort and soothe our anxieties. And the author is calling our attention, and he's asking us to turn our attention and our praise to God. We are to fixate our worship on him and him alone. And we are to align our hearts with Jesus. He brings clarity in the fog, peace during anxious times. Raising raising your voice and shouting and singing praise to God is edifying for our hearts. You feel good about it. But I think the obvious question here is, what do we do with the word joyful? I'm not sure about all of you, uh, but it is very difficult in hard times to just Conjure up this magical feeling of joy uh, when things are going difficult? What do you do in those moments when you've lost something or someone that is very important to you? What do you do when you've been hurt or when somebody you know has been hurt? How are we supposed to take that anger and turn it to joy? Or maybe the emotion is apathy. You're tired. You're done. You just don't care anymore. What then? Do you force yourself to be joyful? And is forced joy, joy at all? And if it is, how do we start to experience the joy that's described in this passage? I love verse 3. There's a little word in there that you probably missed as we read. It's that word new. And it's the same Hebrew word that refers to a, a new moon, a new, uh, a new month, a new year. And it brings out the idea of restarting something. We're all familiar with that idea. Every year in January, we start something uh, afresh. We have new goals, right? Maybe our goal is to save money, to be more patient, to cut out processed foods from our diets. But for most of us, those goals aren't actually new, right? They're renewed, go- they're renewed attempts at accomplishing a goal we've tried before. And as Christians, we are to continually renew our joy each and every day. We are to renew our song of hope. For some of them like me, or for some of us like me, my song of hope doesn't sound great, but we renew it. We sing joyfully to the Lord. We are to desire joy in our life for the Lord. But our desire to sing joyfully can't be the only thing that propels us in our hearts and our minds to focus on Christ. We must know why we're worshiping. That's very important. So let's go to the next section. For the word of the Lord, verse 4, is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. Uh, He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope those whose hope is on his unfailing love, to deliver from death and keep them alive in famine. Now we don't have time to focus or to highlight on everything in these verses, but I wanted to call our attention to a few sections that I think are particularly important to Central Bible Church right now. The call of Psalms 33 is to direct our weak minds and our weak souls straight to the supremacy and life-changing power of Jesus Christ. First, we see that the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. As a church, we collectively need to stand firmly grounded in the foundation of the word of God. Why? Because it points us directly to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. A hope rooted in the supremacy and power of Jesus Christ, who defeated death once and for all by rising from the dead. Christ invites us into his life, and that life is one that has power over death. The Word of God teaches us a new way to live, and it teaches us that new life doesn't start when we die, It starts when we choose to make Christ the king of our life. As we give up control and as we wait on the almighty God in this season at Central Bible Church, our God, who we serve, will be faithful to work in powerful ways among us. Further along, we read that the Lord foils the plans of the nations and the purposes of the peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. I believe this is the verse that the entire passage hinges on. From the beginning, starting with Adam and Eve, all the way through history, humans have made their own plans, thinking themselves to be wiser than God, the one who created them. Humans have let this play out for millennia, and the author here knows this firsthand as he's watched Israel's history. Israel's history is marked by cycles of running from God and choosing to trust in their own abilities Rather than God, they've worshiped idols and made, they made alliances with nations that God told them not to. And then often that resulted in their enslavement and suffering. Even David, the author of most of the book of Psalms, uh, he was guilty of this as well, counting his army, measuring his own strength, rather than trusting in God that he would be protected. We know uh, we know full well this desire for uh, control and elevation is not elevation. Uh, control uh, over ourselves is not isolated to Israel. I struggle with this. I'll tell you that for sure. Stress, anxiety, and anger and hurt lead me to take plans into my own hands instead of trusting God. It's that desiring me that says I can figure this out. I can work harder. I can buy that one thing or save that money. I know what's best. All things are going to work out. I, as the creation, forget my creator, the one who made me. And I forget the supremacy and the power of God in my life. And by ignoring that, that supremacy and that power, I make myself to be the ruler of my own life. But my heart is corrupt and evil above all things and that path will lead me like it has led many others in this world to a place of suffering churches can do the same thing like israel they can fall into the trap of self-reliance instead of trusting in god and waiting in him waiting on him to act they lead out with their own plans before truly seeking the spirit of god and as i previously mentioned as a church we are moving into a season of waiting on god and listening to others. We are in a a time of transition, and our elder team wants to lead out by waiting on God to lead that charge. We want to seek God's plans for our church. His plans, not ours. We want to see where He is moving in our people as we spend this season hearing from each other's stories. How is the Spirit teaching us, talking to us? Often, though, we think that waiting is a passive thing. It's a waste of time. And I think our society uh, looks at waiting like this picture that my wife posted on Facebook. I'll pop up here, okay? Craig Garrison this week had a a wonderful idea of saying, hey everybody, let's post pictures to Facebook, past and present, and just tell us about uh, what they were all about. So I want to tell you about this picture. Uh, this picture and the story that went with it uh, is, in, is very dear to me. Uh, this is Alex Ray. Uh, Alex Ray, if you don't know him, he is uh, t- almost 21, uh, and he goes to George Fox University in Newburgh, Oregon. And this particular picture is uh, of our Bithlow missions trip back in 2013. He is 15 in this picture. And as you can probably tell... <laughs> Uh, This is one of the lower points of his 15-year-old life, all right? Um, You see, Alex is waiting, and he is waiting, curled up in the fetal position in the parking lot of Disney's Magic Kingdom in Orlando, Florida. The time is 1 a.m. Yes, the time is 1 a.m., and what you don't see in this picture that's off to the side is the 15-passenger van that we are all locked out of. (laughs) Alex, along with 13 other high school students, one of them, Grace Buxman, is actually here today, uh, we we are standing there. And they are in utter despair after spending 16 hours in the blazing heat of Magic Kingdom, enjoying their last day in Florida, only to come back to the van to realize that their irresponsible second-year youth pastor has lost the van keys. (laughs) And Magic Kingdom is the largest theme park in the world. On an average day in July, which we were there, 70,000 people graced the presence of Magic Kingdom. And what I didn't know is that my backpack, as the responsible youth pastor I was that had all of our permission slips and medical release forms, had a small hole in the bottom of it, just big enough for the key to fall through the bottom. That key could have been anywhere. It could have been hurled off Space Mountain. It could have been drowned in the water of Splash Mountain. A little doll could have reached out on Small, Small World and grabbed it from me. (laughs) And what also is very important to this picture and why there is that deep level of despair is that it's 1 a.m. and that we needed to be at the airport at 6 a.m. for a transcontinental flight back to Portland, five hours from that picture. So there we are. We are waiting. Because we had nothing else to do, quite literally. Actually, they are waiting. I am panicking inside. Like, I've never panicked before, uh, and for sh- I'm thinking inside, this, this is the end of my time as a youth pastor. It's over for me. <laughs> In my mind, I'm thinking, like processing through, okay, the rental car company is closed, I'm going to have to call a locksmith, the locksmith is going to have to come, they're going to break into the van, they're going to cut a new key. I'm then still going to have to buy two new key fobs for the rental car company. We're not going to make our flight at 6 a.m. Rebooking 15 flights is not possible. And then we're going to have to rent six more hotel rooms for the next night and maybe more. I'm going to bankrupt the church. (laughs) This is the end of Central Bible Church. Your mind does crazy things when you're 3,000 miles away from home. It's 1 a.m. and you have 14 people looking at you thinking you are the biggest idiot in the world. Now, I know the story was a bit of a stretch, but isn't this what we think waiting is? Not sure what to do, you lie down on the pavement and you, uh, and you sleep. Or you just go through the motions of church, life, family, work, hoping that things are going to get better. But waiting on the Lord and seeking his plans for our church is anything but passive, And waiting during this fall season means pressing into the church community instead of pulling back. It means joining a community group and sharing your story. It means if you're already in a community group, you invite somebody to be part of your community group and you hear their story. It means coming to our worship and prayer nights and crying out to the Lord with the rest of us. It means not racing out the door when the worship ends and stay and talk with one another. If you're a guy, it means going to men's retreat next next month, October 12th through 14th. There'll be great food. Waiting on the Lord means pressing into community so that we can hear from the Spirit together. God will use each one of us to set the tone and the direction for the future. Because in Psalms 33, it says, God's eyes are on those who fear him and his plans stand firm forever. Does anybody want to know how the story turns out? Okay. So how the story turned out is this. A miracle happened that night. And not a class B miracle. I'm talking a full-on class A, walk on water, parting of the Red Sea, feeding the 5,000, rising from the dead miracle. We managed to talk our way back into a closed theme park to go to the town hall where some amazing, wonderful, kind, lovely, beautiful person who we will never meet turned in the keys. We were reunited with our keys with tears of joy and exhilaration as we drove back to the hotel. We had a profound gratefulness and a realization that we all experienced something truly amazing that night the Lord reached down from heaven into his creation to bring about something truly remarkable. There was a battle going on that night, and God thwarted the enemy's plans to end my days as a youth pastor. (laughs) And I'm still here today. The next movement of Psalms, getting back to our passage, brings us to verse 12. The sovereignty of the Lord has been established, and now we see who is blessed as a result. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Contextually, this would have been Israel, but for us, I think it's very appropriate to say our church. Blessed is Central Bible Church, whose God is the Lord. Many in here, I'm sure, would say, Well, of course, Andrew, our God is the Lord. We serve him and no one else. I would agree with that. I think Central Bible is focused on the Lord. But if we are reading our Bibles, we know that often God's people started that way and then went astray. The focus can quickly change from a focus to God to a focus on ourselves if we aren't vigilant about it. As a church, let's guard our hearts against the incurvature of the soul. What do I mean by that? It means guarding against a deep-seated desire to make life about ourselves, taking the focus off the God we serve and the people we were meant to love and focusing it on our needs. This means, once again, waiting on God and listening to others. If we truly surrender control to the all-powerful and almighty God, that means not running ahead of Him in our desire to see our church uh, be successful. His best and nothing more is what our community needs right now. And that stands with wait, and that starts with waiting on him and increasing our sensitivity to what the Spirit is saying through prayer and through listening to others. During times of uncertainty or waiting, we turn our hearts and minds to our own strength and our own plans. Our hope and worth as a church can easily be wrapped up in how much money we have or what our building looks like Uh, Or worried because our congregation size is small or our recognition in the city. The thoughts creep into our head when we should be worshiping the Lord and singing songs to Him. Thoughts like, wow, our church is empty. Where is everybody? Or, man, the tithing plate is, there's nothing in it. Am I the only one that gives to this church? Or, I remember when our church was booming and we did things right. If we allow ourselves to go, uh, go down that path, we are forgetting that God is our Lord. And he has provided everything we need and will continue to provide everything that we need for our church family. His desire is for our people in this community, his desire is for people in this community and city to find hope in the life of Jesus. The money we have in the bank is more than enough. And the Lord knows our needs before we even ask them. And God will show his plans for our church if we are only willing to listen. Central Bible, we worship Jesus Christ because he is the sovereign Lord. And we do it in community because we know that Jesus says, they will know, the, they will know my love for this world because the love you show one another. So during the season, we must focus our efforts on worshiping the sovereign God. We must remember our success and failure as a church community is not tied to our own abilities and our own plans, but is directly tied to our desire to worship our sovereign God. And so in Psalm 33, the author calls us to worship. He lays out why we worship. And now we see what our response should be after we worship. Go to the end. Last couple of verses. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. So what are we to do as a church after we worship? We are to wait, and we are to rejoice, and we are to trust in his holy name. All of that leads us to hope. As we continue to move forward with our time this fall in Psalms, we are going to address many, many emotions, emotions such as fear, anger, confusion, grief, joy, and hope. And as we do that, let's continue to focus our eyes on Jesus and Jesus alone. Let's worship him not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout each week. Let's worship him in our community groups. Let's worship him over meals. Let's worship him as a community, as we lean in together to love and care for the people around us. And as we do that, let's invite others as well to worship with us. Let's show our coworkers, let's show our neighbors why we have hope, one that's everlasting and that won't let us down. I'm convinced that if we make our worship and hope in God the foundation of what we do, the Lord will reveal himself to us. And our community, and we will end up stronger and more unified than ever before. Let's resist jumping to the next big thing, because if we do, we will lose out on the rich blessing of waiting on God and listening to others. The lead team at CB truly believes that God has big things planned for CB. Will you join us in that in this season as we wait on Him uh, and hear Him, and wait on Him to speak to us? through the Word, and through each other. We desire to be formed by the Word of God in community. If you have questions about this week's sermon, we would love to hear from you. For more information about our church, please visit centralbible.church.